All right, well, good morning. Once again, it's good to see everyone and to have you here. I just want to echo what was said. I hope you had a good Thanksgiving. And uh, I know um, for some people it's very chaotic. For some people it's, you know, it's very relaxing. I don't know how it was for you. Uh, I had the benefit of enjoying two Thanksgivings, so that's always... Uh, that's always good, and got, got to have the meal twice, and so I was thankful for that. Uh, this morning, I just want to take a little bit of time and uh, just talk a little bit about uh, this idea of Thanksgiving. And it is kind of this merge, if you will, of these two seasons that we're in. Um, but I think kind of the, the point uh, that I want to try to draw attention to this morning uh, is that uh, it, they're very much connected. Uh, Thanksgiving really feeds us into Christmas, doesn't it? It, it? it is a joyful reflection. It's an attitude of Thanksgiving that really puts us in perspective of Christmas and what Christmas is all about and uh, why we enjoy the season, why we look forward to the season and to the celebration of Christ's birth and his coming and all that that means And so this morning, I want to just sort of walk through with you a little bit about this idea of thankfulness or the gift of gratitude. And I wonder for you if it is easy to be thankful. Is it easy for you to be thankful? I think for a lot of us, we would say it is easy to not be thankful, right? That comes easily. It is easy to complain about things. It's easy to grumble about things. I know you guys don't do that, but, you know, we're talking about everybody else out there. Um, But it's easy to, to be drawn to sort of critiquing what we don't like. It sometimes is hard to be thankful, to be uh, intentionally, thoughtfully thankful in our lives. Uh, And that's normal, I think. I think that there's a lot of times troubles and difficulties that happen. And so sometimes it's easier for us to focus on those things than it is uh, the things that are thankful. But being thankful is more than just sort of looking at the silver lining Being thankful is an expression and attitude of our hearts, and it really is a gift that God has given us because sometimes we do face things that can be quite challenging. I read a story uh, from Charles Lowry, and he told this story of a Mr. Jones, and it went like this. One day, Mrs. Jones decided to get rid of some of her bad hairspray that she had. I didn't know the hairspray could go bad but apparently you can. She decided that a good way to get rid of it would be to spray it out in the toilet. Shortly afterwards, her husband came home, and was his, as was his usual custom, he went to the reading room to relax. As soon as he was comfortably seated, he lit up a cigarette and he tossed the match between his legs into the toilet. And you guessed it, he lit... Uh, He lit it, and there was this huge explosion, and it blew Mr. Jones straight up. Unfortunately, though, Mr. Jones had his ascent stopped by the shower bar, and he hit his head on the shower bar, and it knocked him out. And so after the ambulance arrived and the driver asked Mrs. Jones how Mr. Jones got both a burned backside and a concussion at the same time, And she began to explain this story to them as they were carrying him down the stairs. But unfortunately, 
Uh, They thought that it was so funny and they were laughing so hard that they dropped Mr. Jones down the stairs and broke both of his arms. You know, sometimes life can be like that, right? Life can sort of have these things that happen to us that are unexpected and unfortunate, and it never seems to stop with just one thing. It seems to sort of kind of roll over into multiple things. And so sometimes it can be hard to be thankful, It can be hard because we just see the trouble that exists in our lives and in our world, the problems that we face, maybe not even necessarily problems, but just the things that we face, the stresses of our lives. And so this idea of thankfulness then becomes a grounding element that God has given us. It brings us back to the proper place, and that place is the presence of God. See, thankfulness comes out of knowing and acknowledging and resting and sitting in the presence of God. Uh, in the African dialect, there's a group called the Kari, and they have an expression for thankfulness, and it is to sit down on the ground before another. A thankful Kari will go to the home of his benefactor and will sit on the ground before his hut. No word need to be spoken. He is silent and his silent vigil signifies his gratitude. And I like that. I think that that really illustrates well what it means to be thankful. It's this idea of being in the presence of God. And in our passage today, we're going to be in 1 Chronicles 16. That's what David really was instituting. That is really what David was all about. He understood that the one who is thankful to God sits before God to enjoy his presence. That such a person is never satisfied merely to tip his hat at God as he passes by, but gratitude demands that he seek God's presence and fellowship. See, all thankfulness is a recognition of the goodness of who God is in our lives. And so gratitude then becomes God's gift to us in knowing and experiencing him, his presence naturally brings about thankfulness. It naturally brings about gratitude. And so his presence in our lives is a gift to us in the form of thankfulness. And ultimately, as we'll see even in our passage today, it is our very salvation that is born out of this thankfulness in our hearts. As Pastor Paul talked about earlier, we sometimes think about Thanksgiving Day in terms of the American national holiday that was established by Abraham Lincoln in 1863. But if you look here in 1 Chronicles 16, you'll see that David actually was one of the first to gather people together to bring about a meal, a feast, and to worship God, to set aside a day specifically for Thanksgiving. And so before we really dive into the text, let me give you some background at the beginning of the chapter here. See, David is establishing the Ark of the Covenant in the tent, the presence of God. The Ark of the Covenant represented the very presence of God. And he was pitching this tent in the city of David, and he was acknowledging and wanting to celebrate the presence of God in the midst of his people. And if you look at this, starting in verse 1 of Chronicles chapter 16, it says this, And they brought in the ark of God, and they set it inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And they offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before God. 
And when David had finished offering the burnt offerings and the peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord, and he distributed to all Israel, both men and women, each a loaf of bread, a portion of meat, and a cake of raisins, which I think can be translated rolls and turkey and pie. But that might not be a correct translation. He then appointed some of the Levites as ministers before the ark of the Lord to what? To invoke, to thank, to praise the Lord, the God of Israel. Then on that day, David first appointed that thanksgiving be sung to the Lord by Asaph and his brothers. Isn't that great? Isn't that a great picture? David sets aside a day. And he says, on this day, we are going to sit in the presence of God. And we are going to give thanks. And we're going to sing. And we're going to worship. And we're going to share a meal together so that we can be filled with this gift of gratitude that God has given us. So this morning, I want to walk through this uh, worship that David lays out. And actually what you'll notice in here if you were to look at a cross-reference is that this is a composite of different psalms that David has sort of brought and pooled together as his form of thanksgiving, as his form of worship. And I want to highlight five different principles for us this morning out of this passage. There are some notes. Don't feel like you have to do that. But if that helps you follow along, um, it, I know it can be a lot sometimes, um, and you're welcome to do that. The first is this, that thankfulness, it's important for us to understand that thankfulness comes from a perspective, a proper perspective. Notice how it starts here in verse 8. He says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. Tell of his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his presence continually. See, David wanted to set the tone. He wanted people to have a proper perspective of what they were giving thanks for and why they were giving thanks. It's interesting because in this, it's a command. God commands our gratitude. I I forgot to do our slides. (laughs) You're probably like, what is going on? Uh, God commands commands our thanksgiving. He commands our gratitude. I I was reading another uh, story of a little boy and he went to the store with his grandpa. Maybe some of you have been in this situation. And so when he was there, the grandpa decided that he was going to buy this little boy uh, a toy at the store. And upon returning from the store, uh, the boy's mother saw that the toy had been purchased and given to the son. And she told her boy, like a lot of us good parents would, you know, tell your papa thank you. But the boy was absolutely silent. And so again, she urged him and said, you need to say thank you for the gift. Uh, But the boy was completely silent. And of course, the boy's grandpa said, you know, that's okay. He was happy to get the the toy. And, uh, you know, he didn't need a thank you. And he left. So later that day, the mother returned to the boy and asked, why didn't you say thank you? And the little boy looked at his mother and said, I am thankful. I just didn't want to say it. (laughs) You know, I think that sometimes that can be how we are and how our hearts are. 
We are thankful. We, we understand in, in sort of a, a intellectual, intellectual level that we should be thankful for things, but sometimes we just don't want to say it. There may be times that we don't feel like being thankful, but God knows what is best for us, and he knows that it's an important part of relationship. I, I don't want to make anybody mad, but babies are not grateful people, <laughs> right? When, when you're up all night with a colicky baby or you're rocking or they're crying and, and you rock them and you walk around with them and you soothe them and, and then you go and lay them down in the crib, they, they don't say thank you. I, I don't know why. But they're not very grateful people. Thankfulness is something that has to be taught. Um, you know, it's an interesting thing. You have to teach kids how to share. You have to teach kids how to be thankful not only does Thanksgiving have to be expressed, but it has to be learned. Same is true for you and I. You'll notice in this passage that he uses several different imperatives here. He says, give thanks, make known, sing praises, tell of his good works, seek the Lord, seek his presence. These are commands that God is giving us that we need to come and be thankful in the midst of our circumstances. Take time, set aside time to be thankful. Maybe more than just thanksgiving. But secondly, thankfulness is not about politeness. It's about personal perspective. See, thankfulness is not just about sort of succumbing to social expectations. It's not just trying to be polite because it's what we're supposed to do in order to not make people mad. But thankfulness is supposed to be an overflow out of the condition of our hearts. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7 says, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving, abounding in thanksgiving. And so where does this thanksgiving come from? It comes from being rooted and built up and established in the faith. It comes from walking with Christ. And when we're walking with Christ, when we're rooted and established, when we're growing in Christ, then thanksgiving should abound. Pastor Jack Hinton was in North Carolina or from North Carolina, and he was leading uh, music uh, and doing a worship service that was held in a leper colony in the island of Tobago. And at, this, at a particular time, towards the end of the service, there was time for one more selection. And so he asked for a request, and there was a woman who had been facing away from the pulpit, and she turned around. And this is what he said. He said, I saw the most hideous face I'd ever seen. The woman's nose and ears were entirely gone. Most of her lips were rotted away. She lifted a fingerless hand into the air and she asked, can we sing, count your many blessings? Overcome with emotion, Jack left the service. He was followed by a team member who came out and he said, Jack, I bet you'll never really be able to sing that song again. And he responded, yes, I will, but I'll never sing it the same way again. See, it's an overflow God wants us to be thankful, not out of social obligation, 
but out of sincere perspective that understands what really matters, that understands our circumstances in light of our eternity. Well, why is that? Because the opposite can lead us in a different direction. A lack of thankfulness can lead us into idolatry. Romans 1 verse 21 says, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. See, a lack of thankfulness leads to a futility of thinking. It begins to see ourselves as the ones being in control. It shifts our dependence to ourselves rather than on God. When our hearts are ungrateful, then it's not long after that that we become people who grumble and murmur and complain. Complaining is a lack of trust in God's plan. It's a lack of trust in his provision for our lives. And so David sets the scene here with a proper perspective of who God is. But secondly, we see that thankfulness comes from a place of origin. It comes out of origins. What do we mean by that? Thankfulness and and having an attitude of thankfulness means that we become aware and intentional about where things came from. Where do the things that we have and the experiences that we get to enjoy, where did those things originate from? Thanksgiving begins when we pay attention to who and where things come from. When we think about the freedoms that we have in this life, then we are naturally drawn to remember those who fought for those freedoms. And so you think about this, that when we're enjoying freedoms, it causes us to remember those who fought and died for the freedoms that we have, and it brings us to a place of thankfulness for those people, for those who sacrifice to provide the freedoms that are, you know, for us to be able to enjoy. And it brings us to a place of gratitude. And David does the same thing here. If you pick up in verse 12, you can read along. It says, remember the wondrous works that he has done, his miracles and judgments he uttered. O offspring of Israel, his servant, children of Jacob, his chosen ones, he is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. Remember his covenant forever, the the word that he commanded for a thousand generations, the covenant that he made with Abraham, his sworn promise to Isaac, which he confirmed to Jacob as a statute, to Israel as an everlasting covenant, saying to you, I will give the land of Canaan as your portion for an inheritance. When you were few in number of little account and sojourners in it, wandering from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another people, he allowed no one to oppress them. He rebuked the kings on their account saying, touch not my anointed ones, do my prophets no harm. It is a great habit to develop that consistent question of where does what I have or what I am experiencing originate from. There's a lot of us that are standing on the shoulders of those who have come before us. We can be thankful 
whether it's in our jobs or in our families or just in our lives, you can think about it in a simple expression, even as a meal. When you sit down before a meal, you, there is the, the thankfulness for who prepared the meal. Uh, beyond that, there's a thankfulness that uh, was for the provision of the meal, uh, for the job and the finances that supplied the ability to purchase the, the ingredients that were needed for the meal. And, and even beyond that, there is a thankfulness for those who were suppliers and distributors of the food to make it available, that you didn't have to travel for days to go get food, but you, were, you didn't have to go out back and slaughter some chickens, but you were able to walk into a store and purchase food. Uh, to be thankful for the farmers uh, who grew and planted all of those things for us. There is gratitude found in thinking through the origins of what we have. For David, he lists out four specific ways that David calls people to this remembrance. The first is in works. If you look in verses 12 through 14, we find that there is praise in two specific areas. Uh, one is in miracles and the other is in judgments. Notice here, I think it's interesting that praise is not just in the good things that happen, but it's also in the difficult things. Praise is found in both blessings that we experience as well as the judgments that we may face. Praise in the good times as well as the hard times. The, the second part that he goes to is the promises uh, we can think about and find thanksgiving in the promises of God. Verses 15 through 17, we find praise in the eternal word of God that never changes, that remains true and steadfast from generation to generation. What God has established since the beginning of time, he will be faithful to bring about. Know this, that what God has established in your life and in your heart, he will be faithful to bring about. We can find gratitude in knowing that God will not and cannot forsake his word. It is his promise to us. The third part of this then is provision. We see this in verse 18. Provision happens out of the first two, works and promises. It speaks to the goodness of God. It speaks to the faithfulness of God. And out of that, we have provision in verse 18, we find praise because out of his goodness and out of his promise, there is great provision. Provision is a combination of his goodness, his works, and his faithfulness, his promises. The provision that we need and seek is trustworthy because it's built on the reality of God's good and faithful character. So we can be thankful for provision in our lives, but that provision is because of God's goodness, because of his faithfulness. It's because of the work that he does and the promises that he has given, even in the smallest things. Deuteronomy 8, chapter 8, verse 10 says, you shall eat and be full. You shall bless the Lord your God for the good land that he has given you. Even in the simple things of life, there is provision that we can be thankful for. Maybe today you're waiting on God's provision in your life. I remember the joke that went like this. Your mama was so poor, she goes to Kentucky Fried Chicken to lick other people's fingers. <laughs> you know, sometimes we can feel like our need is great. But the reality is we have much. 
Uh, we were talking about this infusion a few weeks ago. Uh, there's a thing called the global rich list. If you have an annual income of $20,000 or more, you're considered to be in the top 10% of the world's wealthiest people. Many people have real needs and real problems with day-to-day financial issues that they're facing. And I don't want to diminish that. But the reality is, is that most of us, God has substantially blessed. And that we have so much in terms of provision compared to most of the world. This comes out of his goodness. It comes out of his faithfulness. But then there is a fourth part of this as well, and that is protection. Dr. Robbins said, I, think, I used to think that people complained because they had a lot of problems. I've come to realize that they have a lot of problems because they complain. It's probably true more often than not, right? I was reading a study by Sarah Hulvick, and she is a uh, scientist slash nutritionist. And this is what she said. She said, you can significantly improve your health by being thankful. Sarah says that eating an irreproachable diet is almost pointless if you are living a miserable, stressed life. Your body can't really recognize where the problem is coming from. It just reacts to any perceived threat. And this is what she noted. Simple gratitude just might be as important to your health as healthy eating and exercise. See, there is a connection, a physiological connection between the thankfulness of our hearts and the well-being of our bodies, our souls, and our minds. We have a lot more to be thankful for than we realize most of the time. Well, then what do we do with it? How do we express it? David unpacks that for us. Thankfulness comes through our words. 1 Chronicles 16, verse 23, David continues, Sing to the Lord all the earth. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. It's this idea of singing, telling, declaring his marvelous works. It is through our words. It is not enough to just be internally thankful, although that's where it starts, but that God calls us to have an external expression. Well, how does that happen? Well, first of all, I think it happens when we begin to trust God's wisdom. Unthankfulness will also find expression in words as well, doesn't it? When we're not thankful, that's quick to come out of our mouths. Yet we sometimes hold back the the gratitude, the thankfulness that we should be saying. Complaining demonstrates a lack of trust. You're familiar with Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 that say, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. We want to trust in God's wisdom. Secondly, we want to recognize that we have received more than we deserve. How many of us know that that's true? That we have received way more than we really deserve. Third, we choose to give thanks independent of our feelings or our circumstances. Thankfulness is based on who God is. It's based on his works. It's based on his faithful promises. It's based on his provision and his protection. 
It's not based on my feelings. It's not based on the circumstances around me. 1 Thessalonians 5, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And then lastly, give thanks for the small and ordinary things. I think that this is important. We want to give thanks for just the simple things in our lives as well as the big things. It's easy to give thanks when things are really great and things really big happen in our lives. But it's hard to have a lifestyle of thanksgiving that acknowledges gratitude with every little thing that happens in our lives. And I'm speaking for myself. It is a difficult task to embrace. But we're called to it. And I think it's interesting here because we're not just called to a private devotion. It's not, again, just this idea of being thankful in your heart. But we're also called to a public demonstration there are several passages that speak to this. Let me give you one. Psalm 35, 18 says, I will thank you in the great congregation. In the mighty throng, I will praise you. God wants us to, uh, to verbalize thanksgiving, both privately and publicly. One pastor said this. He said, we have it so good, and we enjoy it too much, and we express it so little. I think that that's true. Well, why is that? I think that it's because of a heart issue. And, and I'm saying that because of what David follows up here with in this next section. Thankfulness comes with a recognition of someone higher. That there is someone higher and more important in our lives. And this might be hard to admit or even really acknowledge but it is difficult for us to acknowledge somebody higher. It is not natural for us. It is not normal for us to concede that we submit to somebody else. Notice what David goes on and says here, starting in verse 25. He says, For great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. And he is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his place. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in splendor, in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Isn't that great? The splendor and the majesty of God. That's where thankfulness comes from. It's a recognition of the holiness of God. And that holiness of God amplifies his character. His goodness and his faithfulness, his provision, his protection. But it's recognizing that God is supreme in our lives. See, a thankful person recognizes that there is someone higher needed. Not just that there is someone that's higher. Some people believe in just a deity. But there is a, somebody who is higher that is needed. 
When we exhibit thankfulness in our lives, what we're basically saying is, I can't do everything on my own. I can't handle everything on my own. I need someone else's help. I wonder how many of us have a hard time asking for help, right? Whether it's directions while you're driving or maybe something you're looking for in the store. Some of us are like, I am not asking for help. I will figure this out. I'll go in circles for two hours before I ask somebody for help. It's hard sometimes for us to acknowledge that we need help. And yet thankfulness demands, it demands that we recognize that we need someone else. A thankful heart understands grace. But when that thanks dries up, it's because we've begun to think that heaven is simply what we deserve. People who get what they deserve have no one to thank except themselves. But the ones who are given far more than they could ever deserve, those who have been treated with an unmerited kindness, will absolutely be grateful. Thankfulness points away from ourselves and away from what we have done, what we have accomplished, what we are capable for or capable of. A thankful heart enjoys with amazement all that God has done, all that Christ has accomplished for us. See, essentially, when we say thank you, what we are saying is, I need you. When you tell someone thank you, you're saying, I need you. You're saying, I couldn't do this without you. I couldn't have accomplished this. I couldn't have gotten this. I I need you in my life because I was short. I was missing. I was falling behind. Whatever the situation would be. It's an expression of need that comes in the form of gratitude. Receiving a gift allows someone else to be in control. And I think this is kind of where the heart issue is rooted is we like to be in control. We don't like someone else being in control over our lives. We don't like having to submit to other people. Whether or not that is true in your life or not, I, you know, I don't know for sure. But I know that spiritually sometimes we can walk down the same road. That sometimes we don't want to submit. We don't want to acknowledge that we have a need that we can't do it on our own. Our desire to control the circumstances of our lives so much becomes the pervading principle of our life that we must remain in control. And God says, no, I want you to release control. I want you to yield, to humble yourself, submit yourself to me. And in, then, in that, I will give you protection and provision I will provide for you. I will supply every need that you have. And in that, there is this gift of gratitude. One person said it like this. He said, count your blessings instead of your crosses. Count your gain instead of your losses. Count your joys instead of your woes. Count your friends instead of your foes. Count your smiles instead of tears. Count your courage instead of fears. Count your full years instead of lean. Count your deeds, kind deeds, instead of mean. Count your health instead of wealth. Count on God instead of yourself. I think that's good. But I like that last line. 
count on God instead of yourself. That's really what gratitude is about, isn't it? That we count on God instead of ourselves. And when we're able to let go and to release the control, and we're able to accept that we need God in our lives, then we will be able to embrace and experience all that he has for us. And in that is this gift of gratitude. Well, why? I love how David ends this in verse 31. Thankfulness comes from the greatness of the giver. It's, it's not about what we're receiving, but it's about who we're receiving it from. Verse 31 says, Let the heavens be glad. Let the earth rejoice. Let them say among the nations, The Lord reigns. Let the sea roar in all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. I love that. The heavens be glad, the earth rejoice, the Lord reigns. What's David saying? Here's the reality is that the gratitude and the thanksgiving is not about what's being done, but it's about who God is. And God is so great. His majesty is so immense. His splendor is so wonderful. His holiness is so perfect that even the earth itself will cry out in thanksgiving. Whether we verbalize it in our words, whether we express it in our lives or not, the majesty of God is so great, the goodness of God is so great, the faithfulness of God is so great that even creation will cry out. Even the seas will roar. Even the fields will produce. Even the trees will sing for joy because of the greatness of our God. The giver is more important than the gift. Here's a medical missionary, and uh, he had developed a treatment to stop progressive blindness. And so as you can imagine, there were people from all over who were coming to him, and he would perform the treatment. And they realized that without the treatment, they would go blind. But interestingly enough, he said that they never said thank you. It was a word that was not really in their language. Instead, they spoke a word that meant, I will tell your name. Wherever they went, they would tell people the name of the missionary who cured their blindness. They had received something so special that they wanted to proclaim it. And so they would go around and proclaim the name of this missionary. So we have received something so special in the gift of salvation. We've received something so special in the person of God, not just what he's done. This is not about just the the sort of um, attribute, God attributing heaven to us based on our faith. It's more than just receiving the gift of eternal life, but it's about being in the presence of God. It's about walking with him and knowing him fully and completely. And it leads us to a place where we should desire to proclaim it. This is what David does here in 1 Chronicles. But this is also what you and I are called to do as well. The gift that we've received through faith is heaven. It is the applied payment for our sins. 
but the gift simply points to the majesty of the giver. Our praise and thanksgiving is to Jesus. It is his presence more than the absence of punishment that leads us to praise. See, why is that? Because the gift displays the heart and the character of the giver. You think about all that God has given you, all that he has bestowed. I want you to stop and to think about all the good that God has done, all of the faithfulness that he has brought about in your life, the promises that he has kept and sustained. To think about the provision that he has given, to think about the protection. Not that we're free from problems, but that God sustains us and provides joy and peace and hope in the midst of those circumstances and trials. This is our God. And he does it because of who he is, not because of something that you've done, not some, because of something that you've earned, not because you just happen to be in the right place at the right time, not because it was the socially acceptable thing for God to do, but because his love for you is so great, because his character cannot withhold goodness from his people, because his character cannot defy faithfulness in the promises that he has given. He is true to himself, and he is majestic and holy. And so this morning, we want to thank God. We thank God for salvation. We thank God for his word that directs us. We thank God for his grace that forgives us. We thank God for his mercy that preserves us. We thank God for his arms that embrace us as we go through our day. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. And we don't just thank you out of a simple platitude of what we are sort of just drawn ritualistically to say or to express at a church service on Sundays. But God, we acknowledge the splendor and the glory of you. We acknowledge the splendor and the glory of your grace and mercy in our lives. And God, that out of your goodness and out of your faithfulness, God, that you bless us, not just with things and stuff and circumstances, but that you have blessed our lives by calling us out of darkness and into light. That you have ushered in new life based on faith in Jesus Christ. God, we thank you for reconciliation. We thank you for the payment of our sin before you. We thank you for the gift of eternal life. And so this morning, God, we want to sit in your presence. God, and in your presence, we want to be a grateful people. We want to have thankful hearts for who you are and all that you've done and all that you've provided. And God, as we move forward into this Christmas season, God, I pray that you would continue to give us an attitude of thankfulness 
in the midst of all the chaos, of in, in the midst of all uh, the, the hubbub of Christmas, in the midst of all of the stuff that comes along with that, God, help us to be thankful and grateful, not for things, but for who you are. God, we praise you for your works, that you are a good God. We praise you for your promises, that you are faithful. We praise you for your provision, that you supply all of our needs. And we praise you for your protection, that you walk with us side by side through all of the fiery trials, through all of life's stresses and difficulties. God, you remain at our side step by step all the way. And so God, this morning, we give you all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen.